The following podcast is a Dear Media production. This episode is brought to you by H&M and their H&M Kids Role Model Campaign. This is Being Bumo, a podcast for the modern parent that wants to be the best version of themselves while being the best parents they can be for their kids. We'll be spotlighting parents and experts who are not only inspiring, but also willing to share with us how it really is. Because as we all know, parenting can be equally as rewarding as it is challenging. We're here to make your life easier, a little less stressful, and help you navigate through this complex thing called parenting. Welcome back to another episode of Being Bumo. Today we have a first of its kind. I'm actually not interviewing an adult, but I'm interviewing a kid. Yep, you heard that right, a kid. But she's not like any ordinary kid out there. She is the kid of the year, Gitanjali Rao. She is an American inventor, author, scientist, and engineer, and she is 15 years old. She was recognized on Forbes 30 Under 30. She was named Time's Top Young Innovator in 2020 for her innovations and her workshops she conducts across the globe and also was featured on the cover of Time magazine and was named the first kid of the year. I mean, wow. She is also now the ambassador of H&M's role model campaigns, which we'll get into. I talk with Katanjali about not only her amazing achievements, but also also her upbringings and daily habits of hers. I really want to know if there is something special or unique that her parents did to nurture her to pursue this passion of hers. We also talk about how she comes up with her ideas and how to actually nurture ideas at a young age and what she wants all kids to know about building something. And also what parents need to know about raising the next generation. With that said, here's our conversation. Gitanjali, welcome to the podcast. I am so excited to be speaking with you. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. I've just been reading about all that you've done and accomplished. And wow, you have inspired me so, so much. I just want to begin with that. And I have two little girls, Gitanjali, and they are six and two-year-old. And I've been telling my six-year-old all about you. And she is so fascinated So thank you for, first of all, being such an inspiration to not only just kids, but also adults. Absolutely. No, thank you for those sweet words. Yeah. So for starters, I would love to know just as an icebreaker, because you are the kid of the year. I want to know what was the very first thing that you did this morning? Ooh, I woke up, I ate breakfast and I watched Jurassic Park. I love that. Woke up, ate breakfast and watched Jurassic Park. Is it because it's summer break right now? Yeah, not really doing anything much other than, you know, being in meetings and things like that. But um, I've been doing this thing where I'm straying away from, you know, opening up my phone in the morning and looking through my texts. So that translates into Jurassic Park. (laughs) So another form of media. But honestly, I feel like going to TV media is very, very different than going on to social media. Absolutely. um, Which, I mean, we'll get into in a bit. But can we start off with kind of your age and your background? And if you could kind of talk about how it all started for you. 
Yeah, absolutely. So I am 15 years old. I'm an innovator, author, promoter of STEM, especially for students and youth. And most importantly, I'm a high schooler, a teenager in high school. And um, it all started for me really when I discovered my passion for science and technology at the ripe old age of four, right? I was always interested in coming up with ideas and innovating and solving problems. And I really started to get applied for doing good work in the community and quite literally just putting a smile on someone's face through the work that I do. And now that's what I do every single day. I innovate, I solve problems in our community, and I try to make a difference in the world around us, um, even if it's something small, because everything makes a difference in our community. And recently, I, you know, obviously created devices and ways to help solve global problems. But along with that, my message has extended to global outreach. So working with students across the world who are my age to help them discover their inner innovator. Wow. I mean, that is so incredible. I'm kind of dying inside because <laughs> I'm trying to remember what I was doing when I was your age, which I'm sure you get all the time. And I'm sure it gets annoying when adults were like, well, at your age, I was doing this. I'm not going to get into that. But at what point in your life? So you say you're 15. So at what point in your life were you like, okay, I can pursue something really serious in this field or was it, did it just kind of happen? Like, I want to know how this all came about for you. I feel like it wasn't really one aha moment when everything came together, but I think it was more of this idea of really discovering what innovation is and how it was this combination of curiosity and creativity, both of which I kind of excelled in, right, personally. And I think regarding that as well, I recognized a passion for scientific concepts, but more importantly, a passion for making a difference. So I started to combine the two and it was, you know, 10 or 11 years old when I started building fully functional prototypes. And that's when I created my device, Tethys which is able to detect for lead in drinking water. And was there any, because I want to know what your parents did to kind of develop you into this amazing human being, because I obviously need to do that to my kids as well. So was there anything that you remember on top of your head that your parents kind of instilled in you at a young age that allowed you to kind of thrive in this field? Absolutely. And I think what it was is risk and exposure, right? My parents weren't afraid to... I guess, put my, me out there and allow me to really find my own path. And that's really what made me the person who I am today because they provided me opportunities, but they allowed me to really find my own way with them. So I was in multiple lessons, classes, practices, but by the end of it, if I didn't like it, I could quit the next day, but I had to try it out one time. And that's really what it was. And they have you know, made me basically a natural born risk taker. I've learned that anyone can be a risk taker as long as they have that exposure at an early age. And I actually like that you just mentioned it. And I don't know if it was this was intentional for your parents, but I like that you mentioned that if you didn't like it, you're allowed to give up. You're allowed to kind of walk away from it because I think I'm a parent myself, but I also have this thing in me where I'm like, keep going, you know, keep trying, don't give up, you know, but I've also, am the product of parents that raised me that way. And I almost felt guilty for quitting things that I started, but I like the fact that your parents were like, it's okay if you want to quit. Like you could just try something else. And do you feel like that was part of it? 
Absolutely. And I think that's the reason I mentioned it too, was the fact that, you know, obviously quitting is something that I haven't done a lot of recently. And the reason for that is when you find that passion, you know, when people ask me, how did you know you found your passion? It's this idea of if you quit it, you'll miss it. That's really that thing that needs to go through your body and you need to recognize as well. And I think beyond that, my parents were okay with it. They put me in things. And if I didn't like it the next day, I could drop out or Mm. I didn't have to go back as long as I loved what I was doing. And that's really what allowed me to be at the place where I am today. And I think I always get questions that are like, how do I make my kid love science? Right. Mm. And I guess it's not like that. It's how do you let them find their passion? And now if that is science, great. But if it's something else, connecting that back to science is always an opportunity in the real world as well. So let's talk about the things that you've tried that you actually did not like, because I would love to to normalize this conversation because I think people in my mind, in their minds are like, oh, she's the kid of the year. She probably is good at everything. She's probably like in love with everything. Are there certain things that you just like, this is not for me? Absolutely. That like ice skating. I can't do it. But yeah, obviously that's one silly example, but there are tons of things, right? Things that aren't for me and that's okay, right? We need to be accepting of the fact that there aren't, you can't love everything and you can't be good at everything. Mm. But the things that you are good at, stick with it and don't give up, right? Take those passions to the next level and use that to solve world problems. Because frankly, if I can do it, you can do it too. I love that. So first of all, I mean, I guess not first of all, we've been having this conversation, but- Congrats on being kid of the year. I mean, how amazing is that? How was it for you when you received this award and when you actually saw yourself on the cover of Time magazine? It's something that's like still sinking through my head, honestly. But I think I'm so beyond honored and humbled to have that opportunity. Well, not everyone get, they can say they've been on the cover of Time. It's just an honor. You know, more than that, I'm really excited that Time and Nickelodeon has provided me this platform to amplify my voice and solicit new innovators into this wonderful world that STEM is and kind of sticking with that is what I hope to do with this new platform that I built. That's incredible. And I just feel like the people are recognizing that there's a lot of global issues right now and they will continue to grow with these issues. And you guys, the future, the next generation are here to really just make a difference. And I really love that time and also H&M with their role models campaign. And congrats on that as well. You are their role models campaign ambassadors. I think what they're doing is really, really incredibly special with this campaign. And it's not about just inspiring kids with this campaign, but it's also inspiring adults uh, to be motivated by the efforts of their children and children out there that are taking charge to actually change the world like yourself. So can you tell us a little bit more about this campaign and why it's so important to you? So the H&M Role Models campaign really helps to show students just like me, right? And I guess leaders all across the world who are looking to make a difference in society or are already creating a difference as well. And it hopes to encourage and support Others who are, you know, discovering their passion, that one thing that they're going to miss if they try and give up. And um, it's really exciting to see that happening as well. And I'm really excited to be one of the faces of Gen Z. And a huge thank you to H&M for really supporting these students going forward as well. And I think beyond that, too, helping leaders discover what they can do, too. And it's incredible to see that Gen Z and our generation is being taken into consideration when, you know, looking at innovation and leadership and problem solving. And I'm excited to be a part of that. I mean, I am just obsessed with Gen Z just because 
I I think how you guys are looking at and viewing global problems is so different than our generation. Not that we didn't care, but I think we felt like there was just not enough room and opportunity. And we, who were we to actually make a difference? But I feel like with the Gen Z audience, because I do have a following on TikTok and most of them are Gen Z kids. And I just love that they're so vocal and that they care. And I think that is something that is so special for your generation. I also heard that you created something that helps prevent cyberbullying, which is a huge problem with social media. Can you tell me a little bit more about that? Was it something that you've personally experienced or something that you've noticed that inspired you to create this? Yeah, absolutely. So kindly, I get really excited about cyberbullying as well as just the issue of it. It's such a huge problem. And I think we have a lot of potential going forward with the advent of social media and things like that as well. But yes, with Kindly, it is an anti-cyberbullying service, which people can use across the globe. And I think really what the goal of Kindly was, was to look at this idea of how we can create a non-punitive approach towards bullying. So taking a bullying situation, creating a learning situation out of it. And since I've moved to seven different schools in the past 10 years of my schooling life. You tend to be, you know, isolated and pushed around at times. And I realized what would happen if this happened at a bigger scale. And that's when cyberbullying came into play. It's an issue that shouldn't even exist in the first place. So I knew I wanted to do something about it. So with Kindly, it's out there for people to start using across the globe as well. My best way to describe it is it's the spell check of bullying. And beyond that, too, I am partnering with UNICEF right now to potentially have a new and improved version of it. That's incredible. I know that at such a young age, kids are left in such a vulnerable position when there are such hateful things that are said to them. And, you know, I am older, I am in my mid thirties, so I could handle those things now. But I think about the teens that are on social media that are getting the hate and I'm like, wow, like, I don't know if I could have handled that at that age. So what you're doing is really saving lives, honestly, because, you know, suicide rates, all of that, has gone up since the rise of social media. And I think this is really kind of combating that. So personal question to you is that when you, you said that you moved to like multiple different schools, I'm sure at some point you felt kind of like you didn't belong just because you were moving to so many places. What did you do to cope with like loneliness and when you felt like, yeah, alone, I guess? I guess the idea of loneliness and stuff like that, it's something that you get used to, which is something that you shouldn't get used to. It should be something that's fixed. But I think really beyond that, what I had to recognize is that you make a path for yourself, right? And be with who you want to succeed and help others too. And sure, you may not look like everyone else in the field. Sure, you may not be doing the same things. Sure, you know, you're new, but I think that shouldn't stop really what your passion is and how you drive it as well. And it's something that, you know, I have learned to cope with too. And I've never really felt at home until high school too. And obviously social media and the internet is still a scary place as well, but it's something you have to adapt to, something you have to learn. You can't, you know, just let it phase you. These comments are ones that shouldn't matter because among the thousands of people who are going to shoot you down, they're going to be the couple that pick you up. And those are the ones that shouldn't matter. Yeah, absolutely. So, so many parents of kids are worried about their kids being on their phones or social media too much. What are your thoughts around that? You know, do you feel like there should be more restrictions on social media for kids? Or do you believe in like kids being able to learn on their own and kind of navigating it and figuring it out? 
I think so. Right. And that's an answer that it's always hard to answer it because being a teenager, I love social media, right? Yeah. I can find myself, you know, scrolling through social media for hours on end, but I think that it does have positive effects as well. And Gen Z is commonly looked at portrayed in a negative way because we're distracted by our phones and social media as well. But what I think it is, it's just another avenue to learn. And the way we're learning is just different, right? And we shouldn't be afraid of change. We should be willing to adapt to it. So I say, you know, take the hate off of social media and look towards how we can create a community and a platform where people's minds can grow and you have the perfect balance of knowledge, excitingness, and funny content. You know, whatever you really want to make it. So if you were to give an advice, like any advice to a parent that is worried about their kids being on their phones too much or using technology, how can they use technology as a positive thing instead of something negative? Ooh, I think how technology can be used as a positive way is one, something I do is limit my time on it, right? I, as soon as I post something, I uninstall the app and I don't look at it. And that obviously- Wait, you, wait, 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 you like delete the app? Delete the whole app. What? Really? Why? I feel like, you know, there's like obviously comments and like hate on it and stuff that I just don't need to see in general. And if I do want to, you know, scroll through Instagram or TikTok or, you know, something for hours on end, I'll reinstall it and scroll through it. It's almost like you have to make that conscious extra effort to want to scroll, right? Absolutely. I get that. I'm going to start doing that. That's really smart. It's very helpful, especially when it comes to concentrating and focusing too. limiting time on social media and limiting just the amount of time you spend looking through comments, judging yourself based on likes. That's something that I've limited doing as well, Um, especially, you know, diving into social media. And when you start becoming more familiar to the public eye, you start to care more about what other people think. And I feel like I've kind of learned to redefine who I am as a person again, because I don't spend as much time on social media. And then secondly, I think phones in general, I don't spend too much time on my phone. I use it to play like subway surfers with my brother. Um, (laughs) But I guess beyond that too, the idea of Phones are so incredibly useful when it comes to -to day-to-day things as well, but it's how responsibly we use it, right? So using it for the right things, using it to learn, um, not posting anything you don't want others to see. And I think beyond that, just following the every day-to-day lives, you know, making it easier for yourself, making it easier for others. I always been told that, you know, happiness is better than pleasure in the long run. Mm -hmm. So um, yeah, go for that happiness. I am a big believer on that. So let's talk a little bit about the future. Many people would say coming out of the pandemic, the future feels really uncertain and scary. They don't really know what to expect. There's a lot of just like PTSD going on. Like, are we going to have to go back to quarantining? Like, is the Delta variant? Like, there's just so many unknowns right now, right? Um, But I would love to know how you feel about the future. That's a hard question because the future is so unknown and it seems also so far away, but so close at the same time. I feel like we have a lot of potential right? If we've learned anything out of this pandemic, it's that the world can come together to want one thing and we can go back to that, right? And more than that, we've grown in technology advancements and ways that we communicate. And I think it's interesting to think, like, if you look at it from this perspective, I wouldn't have thought about using Zoom 
to do anything before a pandemic happened. And it's kind of unfortunate that the pandemic, we needed a pandemic to kind of throw us and shift us in the way we approach things. But what that does is it gives us another opportunity to continue forward. You know, healthcare workers created a vaccine in nine months. We've never seen that happen before either. So really what it is, is it's setting up a world for more opportunities and growth in technology as well. Because, you know, behind every cloud is a silver lining too. And while the pandemic was one of the most awful things to ever, you know, come upon the earth as well. It's one of the things that has brought us closer together and has brought us not afraid of change and afraid of adaptation. And I think we're going to continue across that path. Yeah, I I agree. I mean, my whole kind of philosophy coming out of this is really to lean into your fear because I think everyone was so fearful. But once you lean into your fear, that is when opportunities kind of just present itself, even though it's scary. So question, personal question. You are a young role model to so many people now. So many people know who you are. Do you have any role models yourself? And if so, who are they and why? Absolutely. So my biggest role models are obviously my parents who have been with me since day one as well. Um, And after that cliche answer, I definitely think one of my biggest role models is Malala. I haven't met her, but um, just her work is incredible. She's one of the first people who inspired me to look at the idea of activism and awareness with the work that I do as well. Apart from that, my mentors and people who have supported me across the way as well. My teachers and my mentors are incredible um, role models for me. And then one of the earliest, I guess, lessons that I had was about Marie Curie. She's one of my female scientific role models as a whole. Oh, you know, I was just reading, I don't know if you've read Rebel Girls, but I was reading Rebel Girls to my daughter, Chloe, and she was fascinated by Marie Curie. And she is also obsessed with science and hence the reason why she's so fascinated by you as well. So that is really cool to hear. What was the big changing moment for you when you're like, Was it the Times cover? Was it before that? Like, what was the changing moment for you where you're like, wow, this is it. Like, this is what I'm going for now. Recognition has always been a huge side effect, right? So I guess what it is, it just keeps going every single day. Every single day I try to, you know, I do one up myself and that's what makes me happier too. Like I'm reaching goals every single day in my workshop numbers that I hit and the people that I talk to and the meetings that I'm in. So I don't know. It's kind of a growing and changing. Do you have like daily goals for yourself that you set? I do. So I'm a strong believer of not being able to multitask. I don't think anyone can really multitask. So I try to do five things in a day instead of five things at a time. And so I kind of do my best to set daily goals for myself. I'm not the best at it yet. Still kind of getting into that time management sort of situation, but it's something that I've kind of learned to do over the past couple of years when um, I've been balancing everything out. Okay. We need to talk about that for a second because most people that listen to this podcast are parents and most parents multitask. And I believe I'm a fond believer of what you just said. Multitasking is usually not very effective. So can you share your reasoning behind that? Yes. So I think really what I look at in the world of multitasking is it's hard to do everything with the best of quality, if that makes sense, when you're multitasking. So I am someone who has to go 
above and beyond. Um, I'm a perfectionist. So meeting every caliber I set for myself as well. And multitasking just doesn't make that possible. And so what I try to do is balance out my day accordingly, make sure that I can get things done. I can get things done to the best possible quality that they can be done. So can you share with us, because I'm personally very curious, what does your daily schedule look like? What does a daily schedule of the kid of the year look like? Oh, I guess during the summer, it's waking up, eating breakfast, watching something. Um, <laughs> I guess after that, it's usually meetings all day. I have a couple meetings, you know, interviews that I'm doing, talking with people like you. And then beyond that, I'm, you know, I still have summer classes that I'm doing as well. Um, because GPA is still a thing. I'm studying for the SAT. So still everyday high school are things too. I play the piano. I have a couple activities. I fence. So that's usually what I'm doing towards the night as well. I tend to go on walks with my family or my brother. We play board games sometimes. Usually we're cooking dinner by like seven or eight. And then I'm off to bed at like midnight because I'm playing. A night owl. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm usually midnight or 1am or 2am when it comes to the summer because I'm playing Fortnite or something. <laughs> yeah. I just love that you're also just a kid as well, yeah. right? You're just oh, yeah. like anyone else because I, I feel like, and if anything, anybody listening to this podcast, I think the biggest takeaway is that, as you mentioned, I think I saw an interview where you said, if I can do this, like any kid can do this, right? Exactly. I think that parents, when they view you, they're just like, oh my God, like, what does she eat? What does she watch? What does she do every day that makes her this special? And and just talking to you, of course, you have these strong, strong passions and abilities that you are able to execute. But at the end of the day, you are just like anyone else. And that exactly. is very, very inspiring to hear, to be honest, as a parent. Yeah, yeah. That's that's really what I am. I'm just a kid, just like anyone else. Uh, I also love that H&M's role model campaigns kicks off a worldwide initiative to identify and support young social, environmental and civic role models um, like yourself. So let's talk about uh, your incredible work. You are using technology to tackle issues in finding solutions for contaminated drinking water. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah. So um, I created a device called Tethys to help detect lead in drinking water faster and more inexpensive than the current tools. And it uses carbon nanotube sensor technology to help detect it. And really what it has turned into, what started as, you know, a simple device named after the Greek goddess of freshwater. Cool names, I know. Uh, I guess. Amazing. It's, yeah. It's turned <laughs> into just like this movement of clean drinking water and I guess con lack of contamination for natural resources for everyone. So from there, it's been growing and Right now, I'm looking to partner with the mass manufacturing organization to help with scale production as well as testing of the device. That's incredible. So what made you start this? Like, was it something that you discovered or experienced that made you want to create this? Ooh, there absolutely were. There were multiple. I guess the biggest one was the water crisis in Flint, Michigan about five, six to seven years ago when it started. It's still going on, but I heard about it. And that's really what inspired me to want to do something about it. But I think after that as well, it's just seeing the news of how many people across the world didn't have clean drinking water mm -hmm. and they were facing so many health effects just because they didn't have water to drink. And it felt unfair that I had water to drink, but they didn't. 
I mean, it just breaks my heart thinking about the whole water crisis and the lack there of supply for people out there just to get simple, clean water. So that's really incredible that you're trying to use this problem and create solutions around it. And I, I would say that, is that how you get most of your inspiration and ideas from where it's like you identify a problem and you just become so obsessed with it that you want to find a solution for it? Is that how, how it starts for you? Absolutely. That's really where it does start is I identify a problem in our community. And sure, it's not like a straight problem solution. It's like a problem solution, figuring out what exactly I want to do with it, where I want to go with it. But yeah, it's by seeing something that inspires me and wanting to take action with something I connect with. That's awesome. And so where do you get your inspiration from? Are you like... Do you just like go about your day, just like reading things, watching things, and then you're like, oh, I have an idea? Or do you have kind of like a process where you get inspired from? Oh, I do have a process. And when it comes to solving problems, this is the process that I teach in my workshops. It's observe, brainstorm, research, build, and communicate. Those are my five basic steps towards innovation. And that's what I tend to use going forward as well. And so that's what you teach in your workshop. Tell me a little bit about your workshop. I didn't know that you had a workshop. Yeah. So I run innovation workshops for students across the globe and have impacted about 50,000 students to date across 26 countries and four continents. So we're hitting those bigger numbers here. And it's very exciting because a lot of my work has expanded to global outreach, right? So helping students find their inner innovators and discover their passions just through, you know, teaching them what I have done and how we can distill innovation just down to five steps. That's incredible. So you're inspiring other kids that are looking to build their own thing. Is that what it is? Yeah, I guess it's not just build their own thing. It's want to do something to solve problems, but just don't know where to start. Mm. And I'm giving, I'm helping them find that starting point. So what is the biggest thing that you've noticed when kids come to your workshop? Like what is it like, I don't, I don't have the confidence to start or I don't know where to start. What's the common thread? Yeah. So I think really where it is, is this, I, this, I think this thing of self-doubt that comes upon students and teenagers, right? And that's something you see a lot with innovation. I don't look like everyone else in the field. Everyone is like three times my age. And somehow I still want to do what they're doing. Like a most common question I get is how do you do it? And I still really don't know how to answer that. Um, mm. But it's like, like, where do you even start with something like this is really what it is. It's overwhelming. And I think beyond that too, students are so pressured, right? We've all been used to school. And when it comes to innovation and solving problems, it can turn into school and homework really fast. And so really what I like to say is innovation and creativity can't work on a deadline. It should be mm. something that's a passion, something you build and something you create for yourself. So almost teaching the the art of kind of enjoying the process versus forcing something, right? Absolutely. That's exactly what it is. Yeah. Because I think a lot of times, and I run into this a lot with kind of my peers and my age group of like, oh, I want to do this. And I'm giving myself this timeline and this deadline. And more often than not, it usually doesn't work out that way. Because when we give ourselves timeline, as you mentioned, it becomes more like homework. And when it becomes homework, then you you don't really feel inspired anymore, right? Yeah, exactly. It's, I guess, homework. Everything that could be fun can turn very easily into homework when due dates are assigned to it or when you're putting that stress on yourself to get something done. But I think it's really the opposite. You need to help define 
how you make innovation your own thing, your own journey. It should be as fun as a sport is or as Mm. exciting as an art project is. I love that. I really, really love that. So when when you need some time off or a break, because I'm sure you do need that as well, what do you do for fun? I know you mentioned Fortnite at nighttime. Yeah, that's usually what we're doing. Yeah, playing games, um, video games is usually what we end up doing. But I'm hanging out with my friends a lot. And whether that is, you know, watching movies at my place or driving around and singing Let It Go at the top of our lungs, we always find something fun to do. Um, I love that you you still sing Let It Go because (laughs) it's so bad. I have a Disney problem. My friends, I'm... It's horrible because they'll like play good. Like my friend's music taste is so different. Like I have one who listens to like only indie, one who listens to only Christmas music year round, one who listens to only rap. And then there's me singing Let It Go in the middle. I love this Um, dynamic. I love this friend dynamic. I know. So (laughs) I always get now we all switch out who gets shotgun and who gets the aux cord. (laughs) So um, who gets to play the DJ, be the DJ for the day? So Because then when I get when it's my turn to DJ, everyone's like, oh, She's going to play Disney music. Um, but yeah, we go to all sorts of places. I remember like we spent so much time just driving up and down the street and we live in Colorado. So we are always doing like scenic drives and things here. We recently went to an escape room and escape with two minutes left. And oh my God, I guess. Yeah, really. <laughs> we're all so smart in our own separate ways. But when we're all put in a room together, like we locked one of my best friends inside a mirror that you're supposed to open and we couldn't get it open. It was awful. We spent like 10 minutes on that. But. Oh, wow. That sounds like an adventure. I love escape rooms, by the way. It's, I know, it's like so, the best thing. They're so chaotic. They're like the perfect amount of like screaming, but also being scared at any given point in time. Like someone's going to eat you. Exactly. And like put your friends in the dynamic. It just gets all crazy. So oh, yeah. I get oh, that. Oh, for sure. Bonding like never experienced uh-huh. <laughs> before. Um, yeah, I kind of want to go skydiving with these people, but they but we have to be 18. So uh two three more years. Three more years. Three yeah. more years. Okay. For your 18th birthday. We're then. close. Yeah. <laughs> so what gets you excited? Like what gets you up in the morning and what excites you? Ooh, a lot of things. But I think the biggest thing is the fact that there are other kids out there just like me. I feel like that's such a broad answer, but the fact that I have like a support system to go through, whether that's, you know, my friends in real life, my friends online, that's really what gets me excited every single morning, knowing that I have someone to go to. I have someone to tell about my ideas to, and I have a way to continue spreading my message. That's amazing. And how do you view the future for kids and your generation? Do you feel like there's going to be change that you believe that could happen with your generation? I think so. I think that's really what it is. We're going to leave the world better than we saw it. And I think that's what we're, I'm really aiming for is we shoot this word sustainable world around, right? That's the word we shoot around. It's turned into a buzzword, frankly, too. Yeah. But I think what it needs to be is perspectives that students bring to the playing field. We don't have a box around our head. We're not limited to ideas. So we need to start taking advantage of it. I I love that. I think I I truly believe that your generation is really going to make a really big difference. And it just is so inspiring to hear all the things that you're working on. And lastly, H&M's role model campaign is all about rethinking the traditional role models and turn to kids to actually lead, which I'm also learning myself as a parent. Like so many times 
I feel like I have to be the one leading and in charge. But even with my six-year-old, I learned so much from her from like the day-to-day. And you're doing exactly that for so many of us kids and parents. You are the role models for so many kids and also adults. If there's one advice you can give all kids out there, what would that be? My biggest piece of advice would be don't be afraid to take risks and fail, right? Because failure is just another step to success. Don't be afraid to let things bounce off of you and get up and try again because the only person stopping you is yourself. And then how about for adults? If there's one piece of advice you can give adults, what would that be? My biggest piece of advice for adults, let's see. Oh, belief, right? A sense of belief and hope always helps a student. So take into consideration their ideas and perspectives because more times than not, kids do come up with pretty cool ideas. And even if they can't be accomplished right now, they might be able to in the future. So keep up that belief, keep up that hope. And, you know, don't be afraid to expose your students to the world around you at a young age, because there's a lot out there. We kind of just need to go out there and see it. I love it. Well, thank you so, so much for being such an incredible role model to so many. And a big thank you to H&M who has brought us together and also for bringing you on as as an ambassador for the campaign as you really embody this campaign with your innovation in this field of science. And for those of you that are interested in supporting this incredible mission and campaign, there is a sustainable t-shirt line featuring quotes and words of affirmation available to shop for kids on H&M.com. I think it's H&M.com. On July 22nd, and to celebrate these role models, H&M is proud to make a $100,000 donation to support UNICEF's work to ensure every child realizes their rights, including their rights for their voice to be heard. So thank you so much for the work that you do. And it was such an honor to speak to you. And if people want to learn more about you and the work that you do, and maybe even your workshop, where can they find you? Ooh, so if you want to learn more about me, you can check me out at my website, which is gitanjalirao.net, which you can learn about my workshops as well, or um, social media. So I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Gitanjali A. Rao. Amazing. Thank you, Gitanjali. I am so excited to speak to you, and I hope that we connect again soon. Thank you. Thank you so much. Okay, bye-bye. Bye. Hope you guys enjoyed today's episode and it would mean the world to me if you took a second to rate, review, and follow. It really is the best way to support the show and don't forget to head over to our Instagram for more parenting tips and inspiration at Bumo Parent. And if you guys are looking for high quality virtual education for your little ones ages one through seven years old, make sure to check out at Bumo Brain on Instagram or go to www.bumobrain.com. We have a wide range of topics that your little ones will surely get so excited about from Dr. Kid to Chef Math to our foreign language program. We have all sorts of languages. Forbes called Bumo Brain the classroom of the future and it really is the best platform for early learners. Go to www.bumobrain.com to learn more.